Well, good morning. Thank you, worship team. It is so good to proclaim to each other our identity in Christ. My name is Kurt Busnitz. It's been a privilege for our family to attend here for almost a year and uh, just to become a part of Northfield and to be taught, to be fed the Word of God. And it's such an honor and a privilege to have the opportunity to share uh, this morning from the Word. If you would bow with me, let's ask the Lord to be with us. Lord God, you have spoken to us in many times and in many ways, and those things have been written down in the word of God that we have before us this morning. And we're imperfect humans looking dimly through a glass, trying to perceive and understand our infinite, holy, majestic, powerful God. And God, if we really grasp that this morning, we know that you are going to obliterate living in fear. You're going to take care of our lack of courage, and you're going to infuse us with all that we need to walk with you. And so I just pray this morning that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight, God. You are our rock, and you are our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, I want to share with you this morning a few uh, portraits of courage, and if I asked you to define courage, we might come up with some different definitions, but one of the most helpful things in Scripture is to see how courage is lived out, how it is, how it is played out. And as I think about portraits of courage, I think about some of the heroes that we may have celebrated over Memorial Day, scenes like Teddy Roosevelt and the Rough Riders charging San Juan Hill or The Marines in the Pacific Theater and this epic photo. But I also think of guys like Gary Walker, cowboy who grew up in Wyoming, tough as nails, rode saddle bronx, didn't care if he broke bones, he was going to get back on and ride. But he was a hard drinker, he was a rough man, and he didn't want to have to answer to anybody, but he had an aching heart. And when he gave his life to Jesus Christ, he used that toughness and he used that courage to start rodeo Bible camps throughout the West so that young people who also had this desire for adventure and a love of rodeo and wouldn't darken the doors of a church could hear the gospel and could look up to guys like Gary who had this passionate love for Jesus and lived lives of courage. I've got one more portrait of courage for you this morning that I want to put up on the screen. Now, I worked really hard to get this photo. Um, I took it a couple months ago, and uh, it's, it's pretty significant. Here it is. <clears throat> Matt Miller, our resident beekeeper here at Northfield, he taught me a little bit about courage, getting close to 20,000 what could be angry bees. We're going to come back to that photo in a little bit, but I just wanted to keep you that in the back of your mind. I want to tell a story about beginning ministry for us in Nebraska. I was a pretty newly married, uh, newly uh, involved in church planting ministry in this little ranching town of Mullen, Nebraska. And on a Saturday evening, we went to play some basketball because my little brother had come up to visit. And so we walk over to the city park and It was one of those deals where you go over to the breaker box and you flip the lights on and they come on on the basketball court and we were going to shoot around. And so we walk through the trees, we flip on the lights and there's a group of high school kids with a case of beer. 
we'd accidentally crashed their party. So you're a new ministry guy in this little town. What do you do? Do you chide them? Do you call the cops? Do you have a little heart-to-heart, come-to-Jesus moment? What did I do? Well, I chose the friendly route over the offending route, and I let those underage kids take their beer and leave. And I'm sorry that I did that to this day. And maybe you can relate to me over some of those missed opportunities to stand for Jesus because of fear. And I'm standing before you today as a fellow brother in Christ who has had many of the same struggles that you have had. A couple weeks ago, Rick spoke about humility, and he said in his sermon that rather than speaking from an aspect of accomplishment, he was speaking from being pro-grade at self-focus and pride. And in many ways, I know that I'm pro-grade at fear. Fear fear of failure, fear of what other people are going to think, wanting to protect my reputation. And I often trade the opinion of God for the opinion of people as the top priority in my life. And maybe you can relate to that as well. A lot of times we hear from God's word what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to live. This morning I want to actually give us hope. And confidence that if we're stuck in a fear pattern, that we can actually move towards courage. And that it's not within us to accomplish that. And what I want us to see from 2 Corinthians or 2 Chronicles chapter 20 is that we can move from fear to courage when we live out a relationship of dependency on God. I like what John Piper says about courage. Christian courage is the willingness to say and do the right thing regardless of the earthly cost because God promises to help you and save you on account of Christ. You see, courage is about believing God enough to have this unreserved willingness to follow Jesus and to put it into action. If I had studied and studied and studied about courage and I was ready to give this message and I came to the leaders this morning and I said, you know what, uh, I have a lot of courage and I've really dug into this passage and I'm, but this morning I'm just fearful and I don't think I can preach, but I want you to know that I am courageous. I, I'm really courageous. You'd say, well, there might be reasons that you can't give the message, but having courage is not something that we're seeing right now. You see, courage is a follow-through, and even though this morning you may hear it a little bit in my voice, there is some nervousness. The reality is is that I want to fulfill what God has called me to do. So why do we need courage? Well, God tells us to be courageous so many times. Joshua 1.7, he tells Joshua, only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. You see, keeping God's word, following Jesus is going to take courage because it's hard. It's going against the current, it's going against the grain, and we feel that more and more and more in our society today, don't we? Psalm 27, 14, the author says, wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage, wait for the Lord. Courage means I'm going to stay the course Even though I'm not seeing the results, I don't know how God's going to bring me through, and it looks like there's an easier path, courage continues to go on in obedience. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, Paul writes to young Timothy, God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, 
and self-discipline. So as we look through scripture and we see this call to courage, we realize the Christian life is hard. In fact, it's impossible in our own strength. The enemy often uses fear to stop us from following God's will. Think about some examples where you and I might need courage. Perhaps we've been living in sin and it's hidden deep within us to everyone around us. And we know we need to confess it, but we fear how other believers will respond if we confess the words of anger that were spoken to our wife or the thoughts that have been going on in our minds. It takes courage. It takes courage when we sense the prompting of the Holy Spirit to talk to a coworker that we feel like is far from God and to share our story and how much Jesus means to us to share the gospel. It takes courage when God calls us to a task far too big for our own ability and we want to say no because we can't see that we can succeed. We don't know how it's going to go. It takes courage when God calls you to go on a missions trip or be part of a ministry. It might take courage to attend a baby shower or a bridal shower for people that you don't even know. Dana, I was listening other than Matt. There's lots of need for courage. When you and I step in and realize we must limit the time our kids spend on social media because we love them too much to let the addiction grow, to see them isolate themselves and be sucked into this trap of having to perform for friends. And we know we're not going to be liked very much. It takes courage when we need to change something about a relationship that doesn't honor God, but we're afraid of what we might lose and never get back. Those of you that have given testimonies have shared how much you needed courage that God provided. We're going to need courage during every phase of our journey with Jesus. So if you turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Chronicles chapter 20, page 372, if you want to use the Bibles in front of you there in the pews. We're going to look at the life of a guy named King Jehoshaphat. King Jehoshaphat was blessed to have a godly father who took back ground from the enemy. The nation of Judah, which had been separated from the northern kingdom of Israel, was in a a, a troubled state. Many evil kings had led the nation down, down, down. And so there was this um, peer pressure, if you will, among the leaders to worship false gods. And so Jehoshaphat's dad, King Asa, came in and he reformed and he fought against the, went against the current, went against the grain. And God used him in some powerful ways, but Jehoshaphat's dad did not end well. So Jehoshaphat becomes king after his father dies and he built on his dad's reforms. Second Chronicles 17, 6 says this, his heart was courageous in the ways of the Lord. So King Jehoshaphat had this love for God's word, and he implemented a plan to teach God's word throughout the nation. And God was doing some mighty things. And we might think when we're walking in obedience, when we're stepping out in courage, God is going to bless with peace and tranquility, and God's going to bless with things going our way. But that's not always the case. You see, in chapter 20, Jehoshaphat gets a bombshell, this gut-wrenching, heart-stopping, intelligence briefing that we read about beginning in verse 1. 
After this, the Moabites, the Ammonites, and with them some of the Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat for battle. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea, and behold, they are in Hazan Timar, that is, in Gedi. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid, and he set his face to seek the Lord, and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. From the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. What I want us to see, first of all, this morning, courage is not the absence of fear. Courage starts when we choose to go to the Lord with our fear. These are the days without satellite imagery or cell phones or social media. And today, we can almost know in real time when bombers take off from Russia for Kiev. We know when things are going to happen. But Jehoshaphat suddenly gets blindsided with the news that an army that they cannot humanly defeat is only a 15-hour march away and headed for the capital of Jerusalem. And immediately, what I think is very, I think, I guess, comforting to me is that Jehoshaphat's first immediate reaction is fear. And sometimes we feel like when the Bible says, do not fear, and we, we hear something scary, we hear something disheartening, We see something that strikes fear. We think, sorry, God, I failed. Sorry, God, I felt fear. Here's the reality. If you are sitting at a campfire and you hear a loud growl in the bushes behind you, and if you turn real slow like Mountain Man in Duck Dynasty, it just might be too late for you. God gave us this innate ability to have adrenaline rush into our system from fear that we need in crisis moments. And that's not a bad thing. But the reality is, where do we go from there? Because Jehoshaphat says, it says he turned his gaze to seek the Lord. He decided, I'm not going to live in fear. I'm going to take my fear to the Lord. The Bible does tell us over and over, do not Fear. And the point that God has for us is that he doesn't want us to live in fear, to be captivated by fear, to start to think about worst case scenarios and what might happen. No, we are to become, we're to follow in the fear of the Lord, to go to the Lord with that fear. So courage starts when we choose to go to the Lord with that fear. So being courageous is not pulling ourselves up by our own bootstraps. It's not for the really brave followers of Jesus. Courage involves believing God is near. Think about Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you, God says, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Did you notice the promise of his presence? Psalm 46.1, which I know spoke to many of us through crisis moments in our lives, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. He's not just a help out there. He's a very present help. What a comfort. A chapter that I learned early on in my youth, Psalm 139, it says in verses 7 through 10, where shall I go from your spirit? 
Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to the heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost part of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. Those are great promises. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have God's presence, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit as the mark, the seal of ownership that you belong to him. But this morning, you might be here and you've never made the decision to become a follower of Jesus Christ. Maybe you've known about him in your head. You've heard the stories. You've heard that Jesus died on the cross but you've never asked it, trusted him as your Lord and Savior. I want to ask you this morning, would you be willing to go to God with your greatest fear? The fear of life after death? The fear of standing before God and being accountable to him for everything that you've ever thought, said, or done? I remember as a kid, when I believed God's word, when I believed that God's word says the wages of sin is death, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and I realized I don't deserve heaven. I can't get there on my own. But you know what? I had godly parents who helped me understand what to do with that fear, and they led me to understand that Jesus Christ, in the greatest act of courage the world has ever known, came as God's son, fully God, and as one of us, fully man, and he took our place, and he lived the perfect life that we could never live, and he shed his blood on the cross because the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. He took our punishment. He stood in our place and he took the wrath of God so that we could be forgiven. And this morning, we can overcome our greatest fear, that fear of dying, that fear of standing before God by accepting Jesus Christ and what he did for us and simply saying, dear Jesus, I know that I have no hope of going to heaven when I die, but I am believing that Jesus took my place and I'm asking for that forgiveness, that he died for me and rose again and I'm asking to be transformed and made new and led in a new direction. Let me tell you, that fear can be relinquished, can be vanished, can be vanquished this morning. That's our God. The Bible says in John 1.12, yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. I wonder what some of our fears are right now. Maybe it's a fear of losing our reputation, a fear of image, what other people might think if we follow Jesus in a more public way. Maybe it's a fear of failure. We just don't feel like we have what it takes to do what needs to be done Maybe it's kind of like Jehoshaphat, these overwhelming circumstances in our lives. Maybe you're battling a long-term illness or, or you're in a financial pit that you just don't know how to get out of. Maybe it's a fear of loss and you just are so scared of losing something precious or valuable. How do we choose to go to the Lord with our fear? Because look again with me at verse three. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid... And he set his face to seek the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. First of all, we can ask our brothers and sisters to join us. Bringing other people alongside is a beautiful thing. There's a, a proverb my dad used to share. He said, shared joy is a double joy. Shared sorrow is half a sorrow. 
And maybe we could say today also that when we share our fears with each other, shared fear becomes half a fear. And shared courage becomes a double strength within our lives. And to encourage someone literally means to infuse courage into the lives of someone else. And so Jehoshaphat said, let's gather and let's seek the Lord. And he said, let's fast and pray. What's the idea of fasting? Is it to prove ourselves to God? To say, Lord, see how serious I am? See how much I'm willing to do for you? No, that would be works-based. Fasting is saying, God, I want to get in a place where I am physically dependent on you. I want to get in a place where I feel physically weak so that I spiritually understand how much I really need you. And sometimes God asks us to do those kind of physical things so that spiritually we are in tune with where we need to be. But most importantly, Jehoshaphat and the people gathered together to pray. Look at verses five through nine. Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. And he said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might so that none is able to withstand you. Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? And they have lived in it and have built in it for you a sanctuary for your name, saying if disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment, pestilence or famine we will stand before this house and before you for your name is in this house and cry out to you in our affliction and you will hear and save when Solomon built this temple there was a moment where he prayed and he cried out and he said God let this place this house of worship be a place that when we get in trouble and we turn to you that you will answer and when Solomon was done praying Fire came down from heaven and consumed the sacrifice. And the Israelites took that as a sign that God had heard that prayer. And that when they sought him with humble hearts, he would answer. You see, courage grows out of dependence on God when we remember who he is and what he has done in the past. Imagine this huge courtyard. It's just been renovated and now all these people are packed inside and Jehoshaphat is standing on the steps that lead into the inner, inner place of the temple and there's this big courtyard and all these people are gathered together and his desperate prayer is echoing off the stone walls and it's reverberating in their hearts and it's raw and it's prayer in real time, and it's desperate, and it's not a pump-up speech about, guys, we've got to give 110%, we just got to dig deep. It's dependency built on faith in God, God's ability, God's character, God's track record, and they bring us to a point of worship. I think it's significant that before Jehoshaphat asked God to bless him with help, he chooses to bless God with praise. And you see, out of praise and worship, there's this thing that happens is that we begin to find courage. Why? Because we start to focus on who God is. Jehoshaphat says, God, 
you are the one that's actually in charge. It feels like this army is coming and they're going to do whatever they want to do. They're going to destroy us. But God, the reality is, is that you raise up nations and you bring them down. There's nobody that can stand in your way. And God, you have a track record because you gave us this land and you cleared out our enemies before us. God, you're amazing. You're awesome. And as we begin to express who God is and our dependency upon him, God begins to do something in our lives. Jehoshaphat also appeals to God's character. Look at verse 12. Oh, our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. I picture that Jehoshaphat sees God as a righteous judge. And he's saying, God, we know you're righteous. We know you're a good judge. God, we've been trying to follow you and spread your name throughout the land. We've been trying to bring this nation back to God. Lord, please do what you can do in your righteousness. Courage grows out of dependence on God when we acknowledge that we can't defend ourselves. When we come to a place where we say, God, this is beyond us. We're out of options. But what the people had going for them was their focus on the Lord was a game changer. And that kind of reminds me of VBS. Because kids, if you're here this morning, what you're going to learn in VBS is that God is a game changer. That when he's in our lives, it changes everything. And so I hope you sign up out there after church if you haven't already done that. You see, as we pray and as we seek the Lord, God works. I love what Sally Burks, who is the, and I think I might have got these a little bit out of order. Check this out. Courage is just fear soaked in prayer. Sally Burke is the president of Moms in Prayer International, which is a great ministry that Denna, my wife, has been a part of. Just think about that. Courage is just fear soaked in prayer. When I think about that word soaked, it reminds me of buckets of water putting out a fire or a big rain that, that puts out a lightning strike. In Nebraska, I got to serve on the volunteer fire department and we would have these big grass fires that would have high winds and they would be sweeping across, threatening ranches, threatening livestock, even threatening towns. And I remember there was one day where there was a big grass fire and it was roaring across and it seemed out of control and it was destroying thousands of acres. You can just picture smoke just billowing and you almost couldn't even see where the head of the fire was at. I was riding on the back of this fire truck that was basically a, a pickup with a, uh, a spray tank and a pump and they had these things called chariot boxes, one on each side and you could stand behind there with your spray nozzle and you would have a driver and you would ride along and you'd put out the edge of that, that fire. And this particular day, we were driving along a gravel road, kind of looking for where we might see the flames coming across. And out of nowhere, over the hill on this gravel road, comes a, a ranch manager in a pickup. And what I remember, because I was standing on the back of this, this fire rig, 
was that, was that the driver of that pickup had his head looking to the side and he was watching the smoke and he was watching the flames. And because he was looking at that smoke and he was looking at the fire, he didn't see us. And it also meant that he was veering to the left and sure enough, we veered as hard as we could but the two pickups collided and he spun around behind us ran into the ditch and received a concussion. Praise God, it wasn't a head-on collision and God spared our lives. But here's my point. Fear can become a raging fire in our lives that consumes our thoughts and it makes us do things that we would have never done otherwise. Focusing on the flames is only gonna cause and create more danger because it takes our eyes off the path that God has for us. But when we soak fear in prayer, God does a transformation. How do we practically do that? Philippians 4, 6, and 7 lays it out for us. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We don't have to carry our fear. We don't have to carry the things that are overwhelming because God wants to guard our hearts and our minds. And when we give it to the Lord, we can know that God is gonna take care of things so we don't have to cheat on that test. We don't have to cheat on our income tax even if we know it's gonna cost us more money than we have. We don't have to go to that party even if it means we're gonna feel like an outsider because God can take care of the friendships that we need. We can share Jesus with our coworker because the Lord has put a love in our heart and it's not up to us to change them. And it's not up to us how they think about us because we're gonna love them anyway. We can offer hope. You see, let me back up just a moment. Courage wipes out fear when we hear and believe the courageous one. You see, as we come together, as we go to the Lord in prayer, something happens. God's word comes alive. The promises of God become real. And in verse 13, there was a prophet who received a word from the Lord. Meanwhile, all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. And the spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of Jehiel, Son of Mattaniah, the Levite of the sons of Asaph. Hardest part about this chapter is the names. In the middle of the assembly, and he said, Listen, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you. So here's this message. All the people have been praying, and suddenly this guy stands out in the crowd and he yells, I've heard from the Lord. The Holy Spirit has given a message to us. Continuing on, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz. You will find them at the end of the valley east of the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm, hold your position and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid. And do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them and the Lord will be with you. Then Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. 
And the Levites of the Kohathites and the Korathites stood to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. This morning, we got to praise the Lord with loud voices. We got to worship him. Why? Because if we know Jesus, his promises have become real. He has spoken into our lives. Courage wipes out fear when we hear and believe the courageous one. The battle's not on us. It's not up to us to gain the victory. God will be with us. And when we get close to the courageous one, we hear his voice. We hear his voice. So remember my picture of our man of courage, Matt Miller. You see, when I joined him to watch him gather these bees, I had no idea you could get that close to a swarm of bees. And when there's like 20,000 bees, and I realized that they could just swarm onto me, and I'd be, I'd be a goner. I, I didn't want to get close. But as Matt, who has got a lot of experience, shared with me, you know what? When they're swarming like that, they're not dangerous. They're not hostile. They're not protecting their hive. You can actually even touch them. They can crawl across your hand, and you're going to be fine. And so, you know what? I started getting a little closer. And I started getting a little closer. And I started, you know, kind of like trying to be a part of this thing. And pretty soon, all these little bees are going down into his box. And because I listened to Matt, I was able to join him. You see, who we're with, who we're with has a lot to do with our courage. Have you, have you heard the voice of the Lord in your life? Be, because you're with him, because you're walking with him, because you're living out relationship with God. You see, when the people heard that message, when they heard that message, they fell on their faces and they worshiped. And then they began to praise the Lord. Why? The enemy was still out there. They were still in the valley, ready to come up and destroy them. But the people of Israel knew God's promise is as good as done. And here's you and me today. We live between the already, but, but not yet. The here and now is that we have been saved. And we have been given a place in heaven. But we're not there yet. We're not there yet, but you know what? You and I, we can count it. It's as good as done. Our God is going to be faithful to get us home, to continue to finish what he starts within our lives. And so even though we're here between the already and the not yet, and we see through the smoke, one day we will be made into the likeness of Christ completely. We will be safely home face to face, and the flames of fear will be drenched forever. Amen? And we will be full of courage because we will be in the presence of our Savior. But God wants us to live in that presence now. We will move from fear to courage when we live out a relationship of dependency upon God. And so the Israelites, they go out and they stand there and sure enough, the, the enemies that have come to fight them begin to fight each other and they destroy each other. And it takes them three days to gather all the stuff that the enemies left behind. And what looked like was going to be a terrible tragedy turned, into be a turned out to be a huge blessing of abundance because God showed up. So I don't know where you're at today, but maybe you've been feeling beat down by 
the fears in your life. Maybe you've been feeling like that failure. I want you to know God will take us. He'll take us right where we are. And he'll take that fear and turn it into courage. If we walk in dependency through prayer, seeking his face, following through on what we have become convinced of. Courage is not in and of ourselves something that we can foster. It comes through the one who came and gave his life for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much that this morning we can learn, we can stand on the shoulders of those who have walked the journey, who have faced the fears. Lord, would you just help us to not live in defeat Lord, we know that there is much that you want us to do. You want us to be a voice. You want us to be your hands and feet. Lord, help us. Help us to get our eyes off of the smoke, off of the stuff around us, off of those flames, and onto you, and onto the path that you have for us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen.